0: Welcome to the weekend sports buzz. I'm Kelly Patrick coming at you as we do every Sunday from 10 until noon here on 1450 WXVW joined by, as always, the lovely Ashley Miller and my man Mike Gandolfo. How are you doing this morning, Mike?
1: I'm good. How are you guys doing?
0: Doing great. Ashley, let's see if I got you on.
2: Kelly muted
0: me. Okay, I'm sorry. You're on. <laughs> good
2: morning. That
1: happens more times than not.
2: I know. It's like every week. He's like, I'm not really sure if I want to talk to you or not. <laughs>
1: <laughs> what a crazy day in college football yesterday, guys. The landscape really got kind of shaken up a, a whole lot. Uh, you know, a lot of teams got eliminated, I think, from any kind of uh, four-team playoff consideration.
2: Yeah, what do you think about it?
1: Well, you know, it's setting up some interesting scenarios. I mean, can you imagine now, I mean, you got Duke sitting in the ACC Coastal with only one loss. What if they upset Florida State? In the ACC championship game.
2: It's possible. Would,
1: would Duke get in?
2: <laughs> I would guess they'd have to
0: probably, right? Someone from I don't the, know. Does someone from the ACC have to go? That's the question. I,
1: yeah, I mean, that. there again, I mean, you've got uh, a, a loss. You know, how the committee looks at that would be very interesting to me to see what happens because I think the other realistic scenario is, you know, we now have an SEC. Alabama snuck out their uh, their win yesterday against LSU. But there's still a possibility that we could have an SEC West champ more than likely going into the uh, SEC championship game with one loss because Mississippi State still has to play at Ole Miss and at Alabama. And I don't see them coming out of both those games undefeated still. But what if Georgia or Missouri knocks them off? Could the SEC theoretically be left out of the playoff because they have two lost teams?
2: (laughs) I
1: doubt it. I doubt it, but in theory,
0: one or possibly even zero SEC teams could be possible, which just a a couple weeks ago, weren't we talking about at least two? Three. Three, at least two, maybe three?
1: Yeah, I mean, mean, right now, I think the most likely scenario is one SEC team in the the playoff. Uh, You know, uh, it's going to be really interesting. You know, Arizona State, I think... Uh, made a lot of headway yesterday because whoever wins the Arizona State-Oregon game, I think, is going to get a spot, especially if that team still only has one loss. Um, the rest of the big of the Pac-12 looks like they've been eliminated. Uh, you know, Marshall is still undefeated and not even in the college football playoff top 25. It's, uh, you know, at some point, what t- at what point do we put an undefeated Marshall team over a two-loss team? If there's two-loss teams that are getting considered. Um, what happens to the winner of an Ohio State Nebraska championship game? It's just it's shaking up Baylor and TCU. You know, both of those teams look like they get finished up with one loss. Now Baylor beat TCU earlier in the year, but right now it's hard to say that TCU doesn't look better and is more deserving. Uh, it's just going to have a whole lot of interesting things as we uh, as we wind up college football. Most teams with two or three games left. No question about it. We have plenty to talk about this morning, whether it be
0: college football, the inaugural year of the college football playoff system, the Cards big win, Kentucky struggling. Um, We have the NBA to talk about. We have college basketball at 1230. We have the Louisville Cardinals playing against Bellarmine, a Bellarmine team that hung right in there with a couple top programs recently. We encourage our listeners to give us a call on the Oxmoor Ford Lincoln buzz line, 502-384-1450. We're going to get the show started off this morning. We have our man, The Truth, on the line with us. How you doing this morning, Truth?
3: Oh, man, y'all talking great stuff. Y'all just mixed it all like a salad today and uh, <laughs> called it down. I'll tell you, teams, who's everybody better look out for TCU play. Didn't they show out last
1: night? I mean, they looked really, really good. But, again, if TCU and Baylor both won loss at the end of the of the Big 12 season, there is no Big 12 championship,
3: championship game. We already, I already got them. I got TCU going to the championship
1: game. Even though Baylor, that, even though Baylor beat TCU, you take they would. You think TCU goes ahead of Baylor? Yeah, I think
3: TCU way better than Baylor. They just lost. They got caught up in the hype and and let them back into the ball game. And Alabama should have got beat last night. I don't know what they was thinking about when they kicked the ball. Kicked the ball to him. If he run it back, you get beat. Don't get yeah. That ball. was a
1: mess. Kicking it out of bounds really set up for that game time uh, field goal at the end of regulation.
3: I'll tell you Crazy. what. What surprised me? What surprised me? Putting up thirty eight points on the roll yesterday.
1: Well, I think what's got to be uh, if you're a loyal fan, you have got to be excited that Will Gardner gets hurt. And the game was still very much in question when that happens, and then they are able to put together a pretty great uh, second half performance and come away with a with a you know road victory in conference, which is always tough.
3: I got two questions for you. The first question: Indiana defense played better than I ever seen them play. Even uh, uh, Penn State uh, had a lot of people. Around. That's the best I've seen Indiana defense played in forty years. And the second thing. Have you heard
1: anything about Davis? Uh, has he, is he out of the hospital? Um, I, text, I, I texted briefly with Jeff Rabjohns, and he, they're, they you know, he's expected to make a full recovery. They just don't know how long that recovery is going to take. And I still am not clear about really what's, you know, what his ailments are. So, um, you know, it, they're holding things kind of close to the vest, um, even with the suspensions with Stan and, uh, Troy, and uh, it's it's things are not well in the IU basketball world right now, uh, unfortunately.
3: I, I know James Blackman as well. Did you see how he looked in his first game, <laughs> 26 points.
1: Yeah, he's going to be a good one. I mean, that's the thing that's kind of confusing. Is that, you know, Tom Crean has, what is it, four straight now McDonald's All-Americans, years with the McDonald's All-American, and uh, all those guys have played pretty big roles. It's just Finding those guys to go around them has been really tough.
3: Well, I'm gonna leave you alone, and I'll holler at you. I'm going to bloom tomorrow night and watch the Hoosiers play. Okay. And I'll
4: All right, have to the Truth?
0: Good stuff there from a man, Truth, getting in early on the Oxmoor Ford Lincoln Buzz line. Playing yeah, Indiana
1: best- basketball is a mess right now, huh?
0: It certainly seems to be the case. Who do they play tomorrow night?
1: Uh, let me see, look it up. I'm sure they're still in their exhibition season, so let me see. But we got the the cards again with that great story with the kid uh, going to score the first basket today for Bellman, and uh, found out that the kid uh, who has to go in for treatment tomorrow in Philadelphia, his parents were going to leave right after the game today and drive straight through to Philadelphia so he could be there in time for his treatment. And uh, Patino is actually paying to fly the family to philadelphia uh so he can do so he can be rested and and make the most of his uh of his time you know of his special appearance at L's game today
2: it's
1: that's pretty awesome. cool
0: that's pretty cool isn't it mm-hmm.
2: that's really awesome
1: yeah i mean and it's pretty neat that you know i know they had to jump through some hu- some hoops to get uh the ncaa allow this because the kid is technically a recruit and uh, the NCAA, have, you know, had to waive it and all that kind of stuff. But uh, I'm glad they did. And uh, it's definitely going to be a cool moment when that kid gets to go out on the field floor and be dressed in full Bellarmine uniform and score basket. So, and Indiana's game tomorrow. Actually, it's a tough one. They got to play Indianapolis, who is in uh, who is GLVC team in Bellarmine's conference and one of the top teams in that conference. They're a top 25 Division II team for sure. And uh, so definitely a a, a test for um, Indianapolis, just like Bellman, will be a test for loyal today.
0: Yeah, I think Bellerman hung in there and only lost by eight to Florida.
1: Uh, seven to Cincinnati.
0: Okay, I'm sorry, seven to Cincinnati, not Florida. But they're yeah. hanging in there with some of the top programs out there, which is very impressive. Scotty Davenport seems to have that team really doing well at the Division II level. We'll get to see today. An interesting release is that the starting center for the Cards today will not be Mango Mathiang. It'll be, how do you pronounce his name, Mike? Oh, Anas. Anas Muhammad.
1: Muhammad, yep. And uh, that is really interesting because, I mean, I don't think we'll really expect it for that kid to come in and contribute right away. And he had a great uh, exhibition season, and he's obviously looked good enough. He's he's really, really thin. So you got to wonder how he's going to hold up in the post and conference play. But uh, – you know, he's obviously got, I think he's got a really good touch. Ashley, what do you think about him so far? Yeah,
2: I, I, and he's got great footwork. And that's always the one thing that I pay attention to big guys is how they move their feet. And I think that um, he is really small um, in terms of like thin, like you said. But, and then also trying to imagine that he's already put on 20 pounds. So I wonder, I wish we could see him like when he actually arrived um, versus now. So, and I'm sure it's going to be hard to put more weight on him during the course of the season, too so um it will be interesting to see if he's able to hold his ground in the post or if he's going to try to use the fact that he's small and um, hopefully quick to outmaneuver people um but will he actually ever get the post up is the question um so it'll be be really interesting to watch
1: and we've actually we've obviously seen patino do things like this before he obviously wants to light a fire in mango there's obviously something that mango's not doing that he wants him to do and he's trying to send a message you know it's the most likely thing but I would expect Anas to play this year. I mean, I think he's going to be uh, – it's pretty key on who Louisville has to uh, fill in that rotation at those four and five spots. Uh, of course, Montrez will probably play 35 minutes a game, but you got to always have someone alongside of him so that they can shoulder some of the uh, attention that those other teams' big men will play to Montrez.
2: Right, which is important because then we need somebody else. In the post to make the defense honest. Otherwise, it's way too easy to double-team him.
0: And there was a lot of anticipation for Montrezl Harrell last year after the amazing run through the tournament and the championship game. And if, we, if you guys remember correctly, he didn't get out of the gate too well last year. Montrezl Harrell didn't exactly put the team on his shoulders at the beginning of the season and carry them. There was games right. where, where you walked away from it and you said, What was, what was Montrez doing? Was he lost his fire? So we'll have to see how this season plays out, and hopefully, Montrezl Harrell is able to bring it at the the highest level throughout the duration of the season. But certainly have this having this rotation of seven footers and big guys. Who's the other one that's going to contribute? Uh, Chinau Onuaku. Chinanu Onuaku. Ah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. He, he'll definitely play. You know, I don't expect to see Matt Stockman. I'm sure they'll probably end up redshirting that kid, and uh, the Chinanu. We'll we'll play, and you'll see Jalen Johnson probably play. And, um, you know, Coy, if he's feeling better, I don't know how he's coming out of of the uh, sports hernia. Uh, But, yeah, you'll see all those guys in there. I mean, Montrez, though, this is different from Montrez because Montrez is now a consensus preseason All-American. ESPN, what did they rank him? Like the fourth best player in college basketball?
2: Yeah, I think four. Uh,
1: Mm -hmm. He's got no Russ Smith or Luke Hancock, or any of those guys that kind of take away the attention. I mean, he's got Terry out there, but let's, not, let's face it, Montrez is going to be the main focus of every team they play. Alongside
0: the senior, Wayne Blackshear, who may be in position to have a, a, a impressive senior season. There's a lot of question marks, despite the fact that we have Montrez Harrell coming back. Terry Rosier has never been in a position where he is relied upon to take maybe the the majority of the shots? Is that what we're going to see out of Terry Rosier this year? The the leader in field goals attempted for this Cardinal team? I sure hope so. Do you hope so, I, Mike? Is that what you, what you see from the cards?
1: I think so. I mean, my two big things is I think you're going to see Terry. Uh, Terry's getting a lot of play as being a, a high draft pick and a potential All-American, and I think he can live up to that billing, and I think you're going to see uh, the same thing I've been saying all preseason. You're going to see Anton Gill break out so uh those are the two things i expect to see for the little cardinals
2: so then since we're talking about this um well first of all i want to say that i would surely like um coach patino to give us a phonetic spelling of everyone's name yeah we need (laughs) because this year is going to be a mouthful being able to say everyone's name and get it correctly because i always want to make sure we're saying it right especially when we're announcing stuff about the sports but um the other part is what do we look for today like we said obviously bellerman's a good team um what encourages Louisville fans after this afternoon's game?
1: Kelly, what do you think? Because, I mean, I, I, I want to see them control the boards. I mean, I think that's going to be the big thing. Bellman's probably a little bit bigger than Barry. And uh, for them to, not, to get out-rebounded against a team like Barry, I think that's what's really going to come down. To. And I have a feeling that's probably what Patino's message to Mango is. I mean, that five, whoever it is along Montrez, has got to be – the most important thing they can do is hit the boards. And you got a kid at Bellman and Jake Thielen, who's a senior, who rebounds extremely hard, uh, one of the best rebounders in the GLVC last year. Uh, and you got a, a a new kid coming in from Germany who played Division One basketball, Yasin Kolo. And uh, I mean, it's going to be a, a a a hard thing for <clears throat> for Louisville to, to really go out and rebound well today. And I think that's what's going to come down to Josh Dirksen, who's a six nine kid from Australia. I mean, bellman has got some guys that are athletic enough to rebound with Louisville. I agree with
0: you, Mike. I think the main thing Cards fans need to look for from today's game at 1230 against Bellerman is the progression of the big guys. And not just Anas, but Anuaku, and if Akoya Gao, any of these big guys that are going to come in and have a breakout season. We remember when Gorgie Jing was a freshman, not a ton of expectations for him. But he came in and he unseated Terrence Jennings as the starting center. And he did it pretty early. And he stepped right into that starting role and he never looked back. Are we going to see someone do that this year? That's my question. And that's what I'm looking forward to from today's game against Bellarmine at 1230.
1: I wouldn't expect a blowout. And I don't think realistic loyal fans would expect a blowout. I mean, I think uh, mainly also because I think Rick Pitino is not going to do that to to coach Davenport. I mean, they're going to try to make it the most important team, thing for both these teams is they both get something out of it. Uh, they don't really care with the scores.
0: No question about it. We've got that to talk about. Obviously it's Sunday. We've got the NFL reviewing yesterday's college football games, the NBA. We can always talk NBA.
2: Golly.
0: The, the Warriors are the only undefeated team left in the NBA. Anthony Davis came through with a big game last night, leading his, his Pelicans. To a decisive victory over the defending champion, San Antonio Spurs. So a lot of big games from X Wildcats yesterday, actually. We can talk about that and more on the Weekend Sports Buzz. We're going to head to a break. Be sure to keep in mind Brandon J. Lawrence, personal injury attorney, is the one who brings the weekend sports buzz to you. Call 502-587-0041 to reach the best personal injury attorney in the city of Louisville. We're going to try to channel Brandon later in the show. I know he's been big on the fire Mark Stoops bandwagon. Maybe not fire, but he's skeptical of the overconfidence in Mark Stoops as the Kentucky football coach. Stay tuned. We will be back with more of the weekend sports club. Welcome back to the Weekend Sports Buzz here on 1450 WXVW. Like I said in the previous segment, we've got plenty to talk about. Ashley, Mike, what topics do you want to dictate the rest of our show? Do you guys want to talk NBA? We need more college football talk.
2: Yeah, I think we we need to hit some college, local college football. Local college say, cause football. we did we completely basically skipped over Louisville and Kentucky this week so far.
0: So the cards were, ba- were bailed out, basically, in my opinion, by a scrambling Reggie Bonifon and possibly most importantly, Gerard Holloman, yeah. who leads the nation in interceptions, had three last night.
2: I didn't know that either. So congrats to him. Just amazing.
0: I mean,
1: isn't he, isn't he only one short of the NCAA record? He is. That's amazing.
0: And he's got, amazing. Including the bowl game, probably three games left in the season.
1: And you know we saw he so saw Everett Golson throw a lot of interceptions yesterday. And uh, you know uh, he still got a game against Kentucky, who's turned the ball over a little bit. And then uh, you know whoever they do play in the bowl game, I mean, he's got a pretty good shot of of getting that record for sure.
0: He'll get three next game.
1: <laughs> he could. I mean,
0: next I hope game not, against Notre
2: Dame.
1: Yeah, yeah, it could happen.
2: It definitely could happen. He got three on the road there.
1: Well, we'll see. So. But yeah, I mean, Louisville, to me, uh, what would you all think about the play of Reggie yesterday?
2: I missed half the game. I was in Berea, so I can't really comment. <laughs> I liked it. I
0: liked the fact that they were utilizing his his legs throughout the game. I mean, there's many designed keepers. He ran the ball 13 times, which led the team in rushing attempts. He averaged 5.8 yards a carry. He led the team in rushing, 76 yards, so... I was happy with it. Only four for five passing the ball, sixty-nine yards. But he did throw two touchdowns and he ran another one. So, is that going to continue to work when a, a week has an entire a team has an entire week to game plan for him? We'll we'll see. But yesterday, well, you I, also I was got very, two weeks.
1: So, has got two weeks to work with him. If if Gardner's not coming back, I, I didn't hear any prognosis. You know, I don't know how long he's out or or what's going on there. But if they're going to make the switch and and Reggie's the starter at Notre Dame, they got two weeks to get Reggie ready for that. Uh, and this is now different than the first time because it's two weeks with Devonte Parker. You know, yeah, so I think that is, it's 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 completely different.
0: Having Devontae Parker is like giving illegal steroids to mm. a- any quarterback. Devonte Parker looks like Calvin Johnson and AJ Green combined.
1: Devontae Parker and Armani Cooper, who's, you know, Ashley's guy, um, to me are by far the two best receivers in college football. No question about it. I mean, Parker,
0: not only is he big and he's added a lot of strength and he can get those jump balls, but if you throw a quick slant to him or anything, he just has the best speed on the field also. It's just unbelievable how much of a – of a dynamic offensive weapon this guy is oxmoor Ford lincoln Buzzline line is 502-384-1450 give us a call chime in on the cats loss the cards win any nfl talk you want to get in anything in the world of sports you want to talk about that's what we're here for we're going to head to the buzz line now we have our man carolina steve on the line with us how are you doing this morning carolina
4: just fine great day for football yesterday some great uh Stories there. The Alabama uh, game was one that was uh, another one for the ages. Uh, there's several things though that need to be mentioned. Tomorrow, if I'm think uh, it's Veterans Day, correct? Correct. Okay. One of the best stories that I have seen in, is in, in college football is about a veteran of Iraq and Afghanistan. Number 83 for Clemson, Daniel Rodriguez. Huh. Have y'all heard the story? I have not. I have not either. Me either. He won the Bronze Star for Valor and Purple Heart during Afghanistan. Wow. And he got out. He suffered that thing that a lot of soldiers suffer from, uh, Is it P.O.S.D. or something like that? PTSD.
0: Post-traumatic stress disorder, I think.
4: Yeah. He was ready to kill himself. He had a uh, gun out, had it ready, was going to kill himself, and something just turned him around. He uh, went online, on YouTube, and they made a video and everything and sent it out, and Dabo Sweeney offered him a chance to come to Clemson to be a walk on on the uh, team. He went down to Clemson. He is the number eighty three with the American flag who leads Clemson down the hill at Death Valley. He it's just an amazing story. And if you want to read about it, there's a book called Rise that's by him. And when he graduates, they're going to make a movie out of this. And uh I think it's just something that we need to think about. Think of all our athletes who have been in the military, guys like Ted Williams, guys like uh, Tillman who was killed. I just think it's time that we sit and reflect and give a, a prayer of thanks for the athletes who have given their time in service to our country here in the United States.
1: I totally agree with that, uh, and that's an amazing story about that guy, and, and Dabo may have saved his life uh, just by reaching out to him, which is pretty awesome.
4: Uh, here's one thing else. When I bought the book, they gave me a chance to buy a book at a, at a lesser price and send and donate to the troops, and I did that. And I got something I could put on the inside, you know, the, a little sticker, and I put in there, I saw Daniel play against Clemson. And one of my goals is to take this book, send it to Clemson, and have Daniel autograph this for me. Because I'm an ex-military, and I just feel that uh, people who are in the military are not getting what uh, what they deserve, uh, uh, you know, for their service and everything. And I just want to wish all the veterans a happy Veterans Day, and. God bless our veterans. Y'all
0: have a nice day. Thank you very much, Carolina, and thank you for your service. I didn't realize Carolina, who has done so many things in his life, was a veteran also. Thank you very much for your service, Carolina. Yeah, Arizona State had a big victory yesterday. Obviously, their affiliation with with Pat Tillman is very well documented. Tillman played his football there and made a, just an amazing jump from the NFL to going into the active service and was end up being killed by friendly fire back in 2004. So very sad story, but a a courageous one for a very honorable veteran. Arizona state with such a big victory yesterday that, that, I mean, that head coach, what's his name? Todd Graham, the guy who just bailed out on Pittsburgh. So horribly did the same at Tulsa, possibly the most, even more polarizing and hated than Bobby Petrino or Nick Saban is Todd Graham, but what the guy can do and what Petrino and Saban and countless other coaches have proven Bobby Huggins is it doesn't matter really what happens or, or how many people hate you. What matters is that you can coach and that you get a second chance. And Graham has his Arizona State team right in the thick of everything with that, that win yesterday over over Notre Dame.
1: Yeah, and it was uh you know obviously I'm you know, being a Notre Dame fan. It was very disappointing to see Notre Dame came out the way they did, and then they fought back all the way to cut it to a three point game late in the fourth quarter, and then the wheels just came off again, and uh, so it was uh, that ups and downs kind of game. Just uh, wasn't a good. It was not a good football day for me yesterday.
2: <laughs> Sorry, Mike. It's okay. <laughs> So, a, I guess with uh, Notre Dame taking a loss. They're out. Well, obviously that, but um, I just wonder what that looks like going into the Louisville game. Do they actually, do they play next week, or is that?
1: They, I uh, feel like my could,
2: days are so off, because I don't know when people.
1: <laughs> they play Northwestern next week, next week. at
2: Notre okay. Dame. Okay, so I was just wondering if they would be building that animosity for the Louisville game, but I'm sure Northwestern will probably get the brunt of it
1: yes they will and then you know they still the thing that I think Louisville's really got going for them in that game is that Notre Dame's got to play USC the week after they play Louisville and that's you know obviously one of the biggest robberies in college football um so uh not saying that they look past Louisville or anything like that uh, you know it is going to be senior night for Notre Dame and there'll be a lot of fun stuff going on there but uh Yeah, it's it could be a a game where it's setting up where you know that Louisville could go to South Bend and possibly get one. You know, be a big win for them.
2: I sure hope so. That'd be a huge win for the Cards
1: to go to Notre Dame. Yeah, and and get a win like that would be major.
0: Currently seven and three, finishing their ACC schedule as five and three. They haven't lost to Virginia, Clemson, and the defending national champions, Florida State Seminoles. Not a whole lot of shame in that schedule, and the 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 results thus far this season, despite all the adversity and not really having a legit option at quarterback
1: at all. Well, you know, and I don't want to take this away from Ashley. Cause I don't know if Ashley's going to talk about this, but oh, what about the, the point? allegations?
2: Don't, don't do it.
1: Okay. <laughs> all right, we'll do it. We'll wait then, I guess
2: we'll wait. We only have eight minutes. Okay. <laughs> I knew it. As soon as you that. said that, I was like, oh, no, don't do it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right, I have a feeling that's going to be coming up next in the next hour. Okay, well, we can wait till then for sure.
0: All right, before but, the Ashley's Loco Cinco segment, what wh- what else do we need to get into? Is the NBA appealing at this level, or is it too early to care? I think it's well, too I early mean,
1: to I mean, care. Especially with college basketball, regular season starting up next week, and around here, that's kind of the king. I mean, uh, uh, it's going to be uh, – What's, you know, I think especially if you're a Kentucky fan or a Louisville fan, I mean, both teams are going to be in the top ten, and um, it should be an amazing college basketball season in this area again. You know, we got the headline, we got the story up there. Of, does Tom Crean survive this year for IU? I mean, uh, there's just a lot going on as far as men's basketball goes. And um, I think, uh, you know, I would think that Kentucky looks really good, uh, you know, as far as the chance to win the national title. But Arizona's right there, and Wisconsin's going to be right there, and and Duke's probably going to be right there. So, uh, it it could be a really good college basketball season. It's usually I love the start of college basketball, especially with the two Patinos battling each other in the first game.
0: How is Minnesota looking?
1: Do you know? Um, Minnesota's still building. You know, I think that they're uh, realistically not. Going to, I mean, Louisville should win this game fairly easily. I, w- I would think um, they didn't. They did not end the year great last year, as far as like points per game. They were they were eight and ten. They were twenty five and thirteen overall last year, but they were eight and ten in the Big Ten. Now, the Big Ten was one of the best basketball conferences in America last year. I think it's going to be a little bit easier this year uh, for them to get over that. I think that's what they got to shoot for. Get over that five hundred mark in the Big Ten and possibly get a, a a bid to the NCAA tournament and I think that's probably what their goal was for this year.
0: Mike well, me, uh, okay. no Ashley you go
2: please. I was gonna say I've heard several people say this and I want to get you guys' educated opinion on it. I've heard a couple of people, well more than a couple, say that they were really nervous that Louisville would drop that game to Minnesota as a setup for Richard Bertino to be the next head coach at L. What do y'all think about that? <sighs>
1: We're talking about throwing games again?
2: <laughs> We're talking about it again.
0: <laughs> I don't see that happening. I think Rick Pitino is a competitor first and foremost, but I think he realizes that how big of an insult that would be to his son. It's to lose a game on purpose, right? I mean, that, that's not how you want your son to get going and to do well. I mean, Rick loves his son. He looks like him. He's a, a miniature version of him. <laughs> He is, but yes, but he he doesn't. He, it at his core, Rick is still this crazy, fiery competitor, and I cannot foresee a scenario where he thinks that's a good thing for his son to take it easy on him.
1: No, I don't think there's any chance that that's true, and I also don't think that one one victory would propel Richard into that spot. Uh, I, you, I mean, how much longer do you think Rick's got? You think he's got another three years in him?
2: I would say. I would say three to five. I say five would blow my mind if he's still here. I could see so, five
1: in the long scheme of things. Is a game five years ago going to put Richard in the uh, in the discussion if he's a, if he's a mediocre coach? I mean,
2: he's patino, Richard's got
1: though. three to five years to. <laughs> Richard's got three to five years to prove himself. You know, now do I? I wholeheartedly believe that one day there will be a different judge and a different Patino coaching. At, you know, at Louisville, you know that that both those sons will take over at some point.
0: Really? But okay.
1: They've got to prove themselves. Do you not feel that way? Do you not? I mean, Mark Church for sure is getting groomed for that, isn't
2: he? I don't know. I haven't really paid much attention to what's going on in that in that but realm. He's
0: very involved in the athletic department. So maybe, maybe. I it, Historically, it doesn't seem to work too well when things like that go down. So for the sake of the Louisville program, I'm not banking on that or relying on that to be the savior for the future of the basketball program. Um, but if it ends up being that Richard Pitino proves himself, let's keep that in mind. He still has a lot to prove. I'm talking a Final Four run at Minnesota type content to his resume to prove before being hired at the, the Louisville as L- the Louisville head coach. If he makes an Elite Eight run and for some reason he's – He has sustained success. Maybe we can look at it, but I'm telling you guys, he has to do something crazy to be anywhere near a candidate for the Louisville head coaching position in my eyes. He's nowhere close to it at this point.
1: Yeah, I don't, I, I, I agree with that point, Kelly. And I don't know if he necessarily even gets it the first time, you know, when Rick retires, you know, but down the road, I think it's probably a real possibility. And, um, the difference, though, with the Jurch situation is that I think Tom's done an excellent job of starting Mark at the bottom of the athletic department and having him work up through different um, areas, you know, and where he's actually he's done a little in-game promotion. He's done a little of this. He's now in charge of the Cardinal Athletic Fund. So he's getting to learn a little piece of everything. And he's got to work his way from the bottom up. And, I, you know, both of those, though, to me, will eventually happen. I, I, if if Richard's able to prove himself, I think Mark Church being at Louisville is more likely, uh, being the athletic director at Louisville someday days, probably more likely than Richard being the head basketball coach. But I think, more, I think they both will happen.
0: I hadn't given too much thought to it, but yeah, that sounds very feasible that Mark, you know, learning the business from the ground up and having all the inside of his father who knows it, arguably the best athletic director in the country, in my opinion. Um, Mine too. Yeah, teach it. I mean, would, Mike, would you agree
1: with that? Yeah, he's definitely got to be in the top, in the conversation for the top three. I mean, without a question, that he's got to be there.
0: No question about it. So we've got plenty to talk about. Obviously, at the end of the show, or about the ten forty, I'm sorry, eleven forty mark, we're going to make our, our picks for the NFL today. We've got.
1: We didn't talk you about the, the NBA. Well, I was ten and two last week. By the way, were you okay? What was I?
2: I was horrible last week. I was so disappointed. Uh,
1: Actually, <laughs> you beat Kelly, so it's all right. You were 8-4, and four, Ashley. Kelly was 7-5. Oh, my
2: Ooh. God. Okay. Well, Mike, you, you brought up
0: college basketball. When we come back after Ashley's Loco Cinco, which is at the 11 o'clock hour, I want to ask you, being that you have your finger on the pulse of college basketball, as well as many people out there, certainly as well as anybody that I know, I want to ask you a question about some of the other freshmen across the country. Who are gonna make a splash this year, do that do not wear blue and white and are not Kentucky Wildcats.
1: Be we'll sure be okay. <laughs> All right. What's that? Well one's definitely wearing blue and white, but he's not a Kentucky Wildcat, so.
0: Okay. Be sure to stay tuned. We will be back with more of the weekend sports buzz. You need some crazy. Because that make me crazy? Welcome back to the weekend sports buzz. It is the eleven o'clock hour. And that means the celebrity in the house, Ashley Miller, has her most popular segment, which has taken the storm over the past couple, over the past about year, right? Yeah,
2: probably about a year, maybe.
0: Is that about a year, maybe? Sounds right. Where she breaks down the craziest five stories in the world of sports. With no further ado, Ashley's Crazy.
2: Sorry, I can't help but laugh every time you say that. Okay, so we do have five <laughs> stories today. The first one uh, boxing champ Adrian Bronner. Oh, God. Is uh, partying his face off across the country and apparently getting paid handsomely for it um, because apparently he is now a professional turn up guru. What is that? I'm going to tell you in a moment, <laughs> but apparently it's been learned that Bronner is taking a bus across the country um, and booking dates to be officially the life of your party, um, and he's raking in between six dollars and $10,000 per event. Um, apparently Bronner's party habits have become legendary, including the bottles, the girls, the dance moves, and now he's trying to turn his love of partying into a legit business, um apparently the response has been crazy and he's actually booked every single weekend through the end of the year uh and he's also now advertised that he's down to work on the holidays um saying he's offering up his services on thanksgiving and christmas <laughs> to the highest bidder <laughs> so <laughs> kelly um if you decide you want to have some type of turned up party invite all of your Fuggish friends.
0: Adrian um, Bronner could be at my Thanksgiving dinner with my family. Yeah, but you don't pay for that. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, is that something you're interested in?
1: No, no, not at all.
2: No? I
0: mean, no. I thought you I know. don't even
1: know who the dude is. Okay. He's, he's a, a boxer. He's a boxer out of Cincinnati. Oh, well, yeah, I understand he's a boxer, but like, you know, at, he could walk in the room. he out of Cincinnati.
0: He, he's been compared to, and he's friends with Floyd Mayweather. He. Makes oh, some, well,
2: that, that explains yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> some very,
0: very questionable decisions. He releases his own sex tapes. He acts like nice. they on, on accident. I mean, this guy is the most inappropriate guy that I've ever encountered. He's from Cincinnati. He's a very talented guy. um Not someone I would want at my Thanksgiving dinner.
2: He's talking about partying for Thanksgiving and Christmas, not participating in family traditions.
0: Okay, well... okay. I'll probably be at a Thanksgiving dinner with my family. But it sounds like it would be fun. I don't have $10,000 to throw Adrian Bronner's way. But if I did, maybe I would do it. I don't know. That sounds cool. Maybe. Good for him for earning money. There's nothing for wrong with doing that. what you love, right? Exactly. Yeah. I'm cool with it.
2: All right. Story number two, um, ex-NFL player James Hardy III. Um, you guys may remember him. He was a second-round draft pick back in 2008. Out of Indiana, I believe. Yeah, apparently he has officially been committed to a state mental institution six months after he was arrested for attacking three cops. So um, the story, I think, was broke back in um, May um, when Hardy was taken into into custody, um, May 4th, at an L.A. apartment complex after an alleged violent meltdown. So um, it's been said that it took several officers to subdue the 6'6", 225-pound athlete. Um, now, it, we're told that a judge has ruled that Hardy is not mentally competent to stand trial in the case and has ordered the 28-year-old to be committed to a state hospital. Um, according to the court documents the hospital has the authority to administer involuntary antipsychotic medication to him as needed um but he's still facing a felony resisting arrest charge for the incident and um he'll apparently face that that charge when the doctors say he's ready so he's come a long way
0: wow that's serious stuff there i don't i don't even know if i feel warranted to you know, that, that guy's got some some mental health problems, which is actually very sad. Um, yeah, that's that's too bad. You know, something that's interesting about the mental health field is a lot of times um, extreme bipolar or paranoid schizophrenia type of mental health problems do come on in your mid-20s. Yeah, it's
2: possible. It's definitely possible.
0: I think a lot of times that's that's actually, for certain ailments, that's actually the the years that they, they do come on. So, uh, really, this brings to light for me a, a topic that's interesting in that it's kind of, is it surprising this doesn't happen more? I mean, there's so many professional athletes. You said James Hardy. I knew he was a, a wide receiver out of Indiana who played in the NFL. I didn't know that he had these mental health problems. But it is interesting that we don't see this, to me at least, more often within our athletes.
2: Yeah, maybe it happens and Prayers we just don't outside.
0: hear about him. Yeah, Yeah, that's true. Um, We have to say prayers go out to James Hardy and his family. That sounds very difficult, like a very tough situation they're going through.
2: Sure, and that really leads us into story number three. You guys remember Brian Bosworth?
0: Oh, yes. The boss. Um, Apparently,
2: who is now calling himself a head case, um, the ex-linebacker is going after the NFL for turning his brain into mush, is what he claims. Um, Claims that the league knowingly lied about the dangers of concussions during his three seasons. Um he said that he suffered multiple concussions that were improperly diagnosed while he played for the Seahawks in the late 1980s, so he's now filed a lawsuit against the NFL and Helmet Maker Riddle. In the suit, um, Boz blasts the NFL for concealing the truth about, he- about head injuries and the after effects. He is, he's also pissed at the NFL for glorifying violent plays with um, NFL film projects such as the Moment of Impact and the Crunch Course series. So... Um, He's not very happy, which, I mean, rightfully so, I guess. If that's true, what do you guys think?
1: I think the NFL's going to have a whole lot of, I mean, there's there's a whole lot of, that's going to come out with head injuries and all this other stuff. And what does the NFL know? What can they prove that they knew? And, I mean, they, they knew that they were putting guys in danger. I, I have a feeling that they knew that they were putting guys in danger so they could make more of a profit. Now, how much of that comes to light, and how much of that can be proved, and that kind of stuff is—it's going to be interesting. I mean, but the, in some regards, he's got a case um, because that was probably when he came out. <clears throat> Bosworth was what in the mid '80s, yeah. So steroids were really at their heyday, and they were just now starting to come under control. So you had steroids, you know, where you had the the really the. The beginning, I guess, of the athlete becoming bigger, faster, and stronger, with stru- steroids, and now, you know, they're being done however they're being done. The The weight training was at a, a more of a scientific, was at the beginning of a, a more scientific approach where people really started to understand conditioning and weight training. And the protection probably isn't as good as it was today. Um, and you probably that's probably when we started seeing more of the high-impact collisions that happened. I mean... You know, that, what they always say, it's like getting hit in a football game. It's like getting a small car accident. So when um, you do that over and over and over again, it comes to it. So
0: Yeah, I don't think uh, it's surprising at all that Bosworth is coming forward. We saw Jim McMahon do it already. We've seen many athletes do it. And I think they're admittedly trying to get some money from the NFL. They feel like they were done wrong. Brett Farr has come out and said if he had a son, he would not recommend that son play football. Because of head and in, head injuries. I mean, if you think about it, at its core, if you have kids, I have a couple kids, I, the last thing I want for my kids, one of the last things I want for my kids is them to sustain a, a head injury. Right? Right. And Absolutely. That's, and that's what you're putting your kids in line for if you're signing them up to play football or to be a boxer or to be an MMA fighter. or any. I mean, there's certain things that you approve of or you disprove of that? Simply are dangerous, and football is one of those. I personally have a feeling that Mike, and I'm not being sarcastic, but what you said was you have a you think the NFL put people at risk for the sake of them earning a profit. Well, yeah, that's what football is, right?
2: Basically,
1: yeah. I mean, I think so. I mean, uh, again, I'm a proponent of th- we. I think we've got these guys way too padded. I'm a proponent of taking pads away. And and uh, making it so it's like you're not as likely to use your head as a missile because huh. you don't feel so safe. <laughs> but you know, I'm I don't know. Well, it's it, obviously it's not going to go that way.
0: Probably not. But, uh, I, I've come around a little bit. My brother-in-law and sister-in-law have said that for years. They think less padding and less head gear and everything like that would lead to players playing with less of a reckless abandon and more so maybe the way people were naturally intended to tackle each other right is that right the way god the way, yeah, god, like the way of... god intended us to tackle each other
5: <laughs>
1: <laughs> i don't know if i go that far but yes you know a, a little bit more of a, of a technique is is needed because you know if you don't do it the right way you, there's a, a great chance that you're going to get hurt and there's still that chance you're going to get hurt even if you got all these pads i mean you probably got uh, if you got a heavy helmet on your head And you tackle the wrong way with your helmet. There's probably as much of a chance that something's going to happen to your neck, you know. And hopefully, nothing catastrophic. And um, you know, I go back to rugby. They those guys don't wear anything, and it's still a high compact sport, and they're still tackling and all that stuff that has to happen. So
0: I forget what game it was. I watched so much college football yesterday, but there was a very interesting targeting call that ended up being overturned.
1: I, th- I didn't see that. I saw one that was not called that I shot, thought should have been called in the Alabama-LSU game.
0: Okay. I think mine was in the Auburn game. But when someone leads with their helmet and they're clearly saying, I know this is not my skull that I'm throwing around. It's a, a metal. It's a, a huge piece of equipment that I'm probably not going to get hurt, but I can inflict pain on someone else, maybe knock the ball out. I don't care. That seems to be a problem. That's a weapon. I agree. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right, moving right along. Story number four.
2: Um, I think... Did I, is, did I skip one? I think so.
5: I'm one, sorry.
0: Two. sorry.
2: Oh, no, you're right. This is story number story four. Story number four. You're on it. I'm not. Good job, Kelly. Okay, so on to uh, Mike's story. What we know right now is that the university of alabama at birmingham has opened up an investigation into reports that uab defensive end chris rab i think that's how you say his last name um may have been part of a point shaving scheme with james winston um so apparently uab is currently in fact finding mode contacting people who may know anything about the allegations to figure out if RAB has actually done anything wrong. Um, One email that was sent by a UAB official to someone involved in the story included a line in which reads, "Um, these allegations may affect Chris's eligibility, so it's very important that we speak on it as soon as possible. Um, The allegation in question is that Jameis tanked the first half of the FSU versus Louisville game to help RAB win a $5,000 bet. Obviously, point shaving is illegal, um, but it seems that UAB is also interested to see if um, if Chris Rab is gambling on college sports at all, which obviously is a huge no-no for um, active college athletes. Um, the only statement we really have seen so far is that uh, UAB Athletic Director Brian Mackin confirmed that the and um, in- confirmed the investigation on Friday afternoon saying we are aware of the allegations and are looking into the matter. And that's the only comment that we have at this time. So that should be very interesting. Um, golly, <laughs> I'm sure uh, Mike, I know you have comments on this story because you brought it up. So I'll just let you take it. Well,
1: <laughs> Just unfortunate. If you're a Louisville fan, I mean that you kind of go away from the first half thinking that you played toe to toe with, you know, the one of the best teams in college football and then we saw what happened in the second half and it was what 35 to 10 or whatever in the second half It was definitely two totally different players uh, you know as far as like the way that the way that he played was two totally different outcomes so I don't know I I just think it's it's fairly embarrassing I guess betting on sports is wrong for those college athletes for sure and then you know the point shaving scandal is a point shaving should never be a part of college sports. You never wanted to see it as part of college sports, but from the just how embarrassing it is for the University of Louisville that a guy can go ahead and tank the first half the way he tanked the first half, had the biggest deficit that he's ever had in his career, throw three picks, and then still come back and win. Uh, I guess it would be my my viewpoint coming from where we live.
0: Yeah, if that turns out to be true, I mean. Uh, there's a certain element here, in my opinion, that is Jameis Winston gets in trouble for everything. Let's just go ahead and tack something else onto it.
2: And I think, too, like for the other guy, Chris Rob, that also makes it that much worse for him because, because of Jameis Winston's name being involved, it's almost going to be assumed that that's true just because he's been a little blank <laughs> for the past several years. So it's... I feel like whether or not it's true, obviously, we don't know. We may never really know whether or not it's true because I'm not sure how they could actually prove that unless they have messages, text messages, emails, or something like that that confirms that this is something that actually happened. Um, But for the sake of the guy at UAB, I mean, it looks really bleak for him because you're thinking Jameis Winston has had his name across all kinds of scandals in the past year. And that just doesn't, I feel like that doesn't help his case at all.
1: Would you all be surprised if it's true, given the way that those the two halves played out?
2: Would I be surprised? Uh, yes, because even though he did stink it up, it didn't look intentional.
0: Yeah, so. I, I, I would be very surprised. However, a certain part of me says I would be very impressed if, if, because he was so confident. They said that Charles Gaines was taunting him during the game and while right. he was throwing all those picks and, and Jameis Winston just kept saying, we're going to see, we're, we'll see, we'll see and to think that maybe he was just throwing interceptions on purpose, and then in the second half he was like, okay, now i got to win this bet. If that's true, take my fan allegiance out of it. That's really impressive athletically, but disgraceful morally and on so many different levels. But yes, to answer your question, Mike, I would be very surprised if, if that were the case. I know we're in the middle of Ashley's Locosinco, but we're going to get on the Oxmoor-Ford-Lincoln buzz line, 502 1450 real quick. We have Frank on the line with us. Frank wants to chime in about the point shaving. Frank?
5: Uh, hi. Number one, point shaving. Oh, I'm not sure if you, if you know how much you guys got, got know about organized crime and things like sports shaving. If he did that and affected the odds or affected some bookie's ability to make money, uh, Mr. Winston's legs would be broken tomorrow. Yeah. You just don't do something like that in a vacuum. Uh, unless uh, John Gotti came from the dead or whoever's running the uh, Colombo family said, hey, I want you to shake this point. You, as an athlete and a friend, don't do that. You're messing with some very, very dangerous people who will probably bury you or put bullets in your skull. So the whole idea is just laughable. If you ever lived in any city with organized crime. Uh, number two, uh, if he did do it, Hey, you're going to play their hearts out. I would never be embarrassed for my team. He played as best we could against get the Heisman winner. And, and we played, we played hard and we lost. Now if he could have scored, we could have lost by 60, but I was still proud of my boy's effort. So I'm not ashamed of anything, even if he did do it, because we gave it everything we gave. So no one can make you feel bad about yourself unless you, unless you're so insecure, it's just ridiculous. So we know who we are. And, uh, The whole idea that we would feel bad, I mean, that does something about someone else's
1: self work than UofL fans as fans. And to that point, it's not like uh, the defense was in on that. I mean, UofL still went out there and did what they did against FSU's defense, you know?
0: No question about it. Thank you very much for the call, Frank. Have a great rest of your weekend. We look forward to hearing from you again soon. Thank you.
1: I like Frank calling.
0: Yeah, I Thanks like Frank calling, too. We actually have another call on the line. We're in the middle of Ashley's Locosinco. I'll let Ashley, I'll let you finish up real quick. We Are the, you sure? Yeah, uh, we have the professor yes, on, on the line. What's what's story
2: number five? Story number five is on Kirk Bush. I don't know if y'all heard this story or not, but apparently he's under fire by an ex-girlfriend who claims that he choked her during an argument um, back in September at the Dover International Speedway. Um, so Kirk is adamant that he did not lay a single finger on his ex girlfriend during this argument. Um, it actually happened, like I said, in September. Um, he's claiming that she made the whole thing up in a shameless grab for cash. Um apparently um the couple had broken up about a week before the incident and Bush was surprised when she showed up in his motorhome. Um, we're told that he acknowledges that they got in an argument but claims it never got physical. Um Obviously, like I said, sources said that Driscoll, which is the ex girlfriend, says that he choked her. And, um, Bush's attorney, Rusty Harden, says the allegation is a complete fabrication by a woman who has refused to accept the end of a relationship. And Mr. Bush, um, greatly denies her allegations in every aspect. So, um,. He also added that the Dover Police Department has been informed that Kirk Bush will fully cooperate with the investigation and he expects to be vindicated when the entire truth of the situation comes to light. Um, apparently, they have been reaching out to the ex girlfriend. Her name is Patricia Driscoll. And she um, wasn't speaking, but apparently, yesterday, finally broke her silence. Um, or she apparently, this happened in September. She did not report the assault until November 5th, which was six weeks after the incident. Um, but her a friend of hers came out and said that she only delayed reporting this incident because she wanted to protect his image and desperately wanted him to get professional help for anger issues. Um, apparently, she told um, this friend of hers that Kurt frequently flew off the handle and she told him that she would not go to cops if he got anger management counseling. So... This should be interesting to watch it play out. I really hope that she's not lying. Obviously, um, you never ever want to hear about somebody being choked <laughs> or um, beaten, but um, yeah, I don't there's know. I don't know even know signs. how we can find this out. How do you kn- How do you even prove that if it's been six weeks since she actually re- it happened and she reported it? She probably, um, unless there is cameras in this motorhome that somebody can show us, like how would we even know? You know.
1: Isn't it strange though that we're having all these NASCAR stories starting to pop up? Oh
2: yeah, yeah. Like, all these violent, the violent situations, people fighting. This, yeah.
1: Keselowski
0: every other weekend has a story. You're right, and and the, not, the topic of it, domestic
1: cor- abuse. Does it correspond though with the end of their season wrapping up and them declaring a champion and maybe needing a little bit more publicity? I
0: don't Ooh. know. I don't know. I've been told NASCAR. A little
1: conspiracy theory.
0: NASCAR's number one. The number one. Je- Uh, revenue-generating sport in the world. So I don't know if they're necessarily hurting for money or publicity, but maybe. You never know. The NFL seems invincible, but even they have proven they can go through a rough patch. Right. Okay. Well, my my vote goes to Adrian Bronner going out and partying, which is something he loves to do,
2: and getting paid for it.
1: I'm voting for Jameis. (sighs) Jameis?
0: Point shaving.
2: Dang it. You guys are killing me.
0: Ashley, who are you voting for?
2: Oh my gosh, you're all like you all took both of my stories. <laughs> you can vote for it. You can well vote, you can v-
0: prove that I'm right and vote for for the uh, Adrian Bronner story along with me.
2: You know. Yeah, because I don't I can't vote for anything to do with James Winston, so <laughs> I'm going to vote for Adrian Bronner. Okay. Professional party man.
0: Professional party man. We're going to head to the Oxmoor Ford Lincoln buzz Line, 502-384-1450. Where we have the professor on the line with us, Professor, how you doing this morning?
3: Hey, what's up, guys? I'm just happy to be on this radio station. Um, I got to start off by saying I got a couple things. Well, uh... couple things to say about UL L UK. Well, first about L. When is Lorenzo Malden coming
0: back? Will he be back for the Irish game? It looks like plenty of time. I would expect Lorenzo Malden, yes, to be back for the Irish game. He's got a couple weeks. To prepare for it, I, I I don't know the official word yet. It hasn't been released, but yeah, I would personally I would anticipate us having Lorenzo Malden back, which seems to be really the only significant injury other than the James, strange James Quick saga that we haven't even talked about. Mm-hmm. Lorenzo Malden coming back should leave the Cards very healthy. I'll, uh, I I to think that. Think so.
3: Okay. Hey, one more thing before I hang up on on the Kentucky. I gotta tell you guys something. You know, I mean, I know there is a lot of hype out there for the SEC, but you guys gotta. I mean, those guys have every team has. They're loaded, man. They're loaded, and UK. I mean, you can bring all these three, four stars, but man, Coach Stoops, I'm real. I feel so sorry for you, man, because it's it's gonna be year in and year out. The only, I, I only see him going like one game above five hundred. That's it, man. I mean, because those you got to play against Alabama, Auburn, Florida. Anything. You're not winning in the SEC. I mean, I can understand if he was maybe in some other conference, but man,
0: he's got his work cut out. Not hang up. Thank you very much for the call, Professor. He makes a good point there, Mike. Uh, it, not exactly a job that I would jump at the opportunity to take. Is the Kentucky football job when you're a a basketball powerhouse like Kentucky? or well Kansas and we saw what Kansas did yesterday when they won they beat. What were the records Mike did you see that Kansas storms the field after they beat a 2 and 6 team I believe
1: they just won that conference win you know
0: second conference uh, win in a few years something like that so they stormed yeah. the field I would draw a parallel between Kansas football and Kentucky football I know that may be disrespectful to Kentucky but it's tough to win there, man, especially when you're in such a tough conference. It's even tougher for Mark Stoops than it is uh, ch- whoever Charlie Weiss's replacement is at Kansas because the SEC, like the professor said, is basically the NFL B. I mean, it's basically the B-, yeah, well, B League for the NFL.
1: The SEC West is, though. That's the thing. We don't play Alabama every year. They play Alabama twice every 14 years. They play Auburn twice every 14 years. Now, they're always going to have... One of those teams, along with Mississippi State, they play Mississippi State every year from the West, and then one of the other teams from the West, um, you know, cycles through. But the East is not the East is beatable. I mean, let's face it, we could have Missouri win the SEC East, who lost to Indiana. Okay, this is not, and, and Missouri could win it for the second year in a row, and I and I just don't see how. Anyone could say Kentucky couldn't be Missouri. How Kentucky could not be a football program similar to Missouri. Now, at the same time, I'm also not delusional, and I would expect for them to go, you know, eight and four, nine and three, ten and two every year, year in and year out. But I think what they experienced over the Rich Brooks era, uh, going to you know where they were always kind of in that six and six, seven and five kind of, and then maybe eight and four every once in a while, and maybe you know, once in every blue moon we have a like a chance to be the first or second in the SEC East. I don't think that's unrealistic.
2: Do but, you do you believe that it's possible in the near future to see UK as one of those ten and two schools in the SEC?
1: There was a another personality um who was a U of L fan by for sure in Loyal Radio who this week said that he thinks Kentucky could win the SEC East next year. You don't want to name who it is? No. Okay, that's all right. <laughs> but but at the same time, I mean, I think, uh, and I don't think that's really, I don't think that's realistic. I just don't think it's really out of the, the realm of possibility. I mean, Florida's obviously not what they used to be. Georgia is the class of that whole group, if you ask me, but they, they've got their issues. Uh, Tennessee's not back yet. South Carolina, who knows that they're going up or down where they're going. I mean, the, the the East is doable. The West, there'd be no chance. I mean, you look at Arkansas, who we talked about this last week, they might be one of the top 30 teams in college football, but because they play in a division where everyone else is in the top 15, you know, it doesn't, their record's not going to show that.
0: Sorry to cut off this topic, the most intriguing topic of Kentucky football, but... We need to make our NFL picks this week because Ashley's got to take off early today. Yep. So, oh, okay. Let's jump right to it if we can.
1: We can do that. No problem. All right. We're gonna start off with our uh, with our local games here on television. Um, which the first one we'll go to is my Niners because the Bengals played Thursday night, or did they play, or they just show up and let the Browns they do just, whatever they want? They just
0: to. showed up and, and Andy Dalton got to throw the ball to the other team and try to prove that he's the worst quarterback in the history of the NFL since he did have the, since he did have the wow. lowest quarterback rating since 1967.
1: Yes. Wow. So And then the Colts are off this week, so the Niners actually get a chance to be on locally here at the 1 o'clock game against New Orleans. Uh, the Niners aren't doing so well, though, right now. So uh, New Orleans is a six-point home favorite, um, even though they're banged up, especially at the running back position right now. So what do you all like in that game? San Francisco at New Orleans.
0: I'm at New Orleans. I'm going New Orleans. In, in the state of New Orleans, even though it's not a night game, I'm going with the Saints.
2: Yeah, they're I think they're undefeated at home actually.
1: I I got to take the, I got to take New Orleans. I can't take my Niners. It just it kills me right now. Uh the CBS game here locally is the Steelers, which a lot of there's a lot of Steelers fans in the world for sure. They go to the Jets. Uh the Jets who are uh you know talking about coaching changes and all this other stuff right now. Uh but the Steelers are a four and a half point road favorite. I've got to take the Steelers in that one. Steelers. Steelers. All right. The other one o'clock games. Kansas City is a one-point road favorite at Buffalo.
2: My system says the Chiefs. I gotta go with them.
0: I'm gonna go with Kyle Orton and the Buffalo Bills.
1: All right. I'm gonna stick with uh, because of uh, because uh, Foles got hurt for Philadelphia. Smith is now my starting quarterback on my fantasy team, so i got to go with Kansas City. Okay. All right, uh, Miami at Detroit. Detroit is a three-point favorite. Miami's playing pretty well right now. I was the only person who picked the Dolphins last week over the Chargers.
2: Yeah, you were. <laughs> and, uh, they
1: blew the crap out of the Chargers. I shut them out, like 37 nothing or something like that. So, uh, But this is on the road, and this is going to Detroit, who's got a very good defense. I'm Again, going Detroit. Detroit. Kel? Uh, so I'll take Detroit. I'll go Detroit. Dallas, 7.5 point road favorite at Jacksonville. I don't like the spread. I think Jacksonville covers the spread, but I got to take Dallas to win the game.
2: Yep, I'm taking the Cowboys. Although
0: the Jaguars actually have a really good defense, I'm also taking the Cowboys.
1: Tennessee goes to Baltimore. Baltimore is a 10.5 point home favorite. Coming off that loss last week, um, I will take Baltimore. Ravens. Ravens. Yep. And then the last one o'clock game, the Atlanta Falcons are a three-point favorite on the road at Tampa Bay.
2: It makes me nauseous because they're so on again, <laughs> off again. But I'm picking the Falcons.
5: Wow.
2: Right?
1: <laughs> Gosh. I'm still not sure. I'm, so. go- I'm
0: going with the Bucks
1: at home. I'll take man. I'll take the Falcons. Just I got. the Bucs are so bad. I got
0: to make up some ground here.
1: Uh, yeah, well, I don't even know if that's possible anymore, Kel, but that's okay, you know. Uh,
2: <laughs> all
1: right, this is by far – I don't even know if I need to ask who's gonna who you're going to pick in this game uh, because I don't think the points break would be big enough. But the Broncos are on the road in Oakland. Broncos are a 12.5-point favorite. Yeah. Definitely taking Denver.
2: Definitely.
1: Denver. Denver. And then uh, the next 4 o'clock game – is the uh, the Rams are on the road to Arizona. Uh, the Rams coming off that win over the Niners last week. Um, yeah, In San Francisco. They beat them in San Francisco, but Arizona's still looking really, really good after their win in Dallas. I'm taking Arizona.
2: Me too, I'm taking Cardinals.
1: Arizona. And then our local game here that we're going to have on TV, which is not local at all, but the New York football Giants go to Seattle to play the Seahawks. Um, a little bit of a trap game here, actually, is kind of how I feel. The Seahawks are a nine-point favorite. I don't think they're going to cover, but it is in Seattle, so I will take the Seahawks.
2: I'm taking the Seahawks. They've got to prove themselves again.
0: Seahawks.
1: Then we have the, uh, the Sunday night game, a great Sunday night matchup of NFC North competition. The Chicago Bears go to Green Bay to take on the Packers. A game my dad's actually at that game t- tonight. Um, a seven-and-a-half point favorite for Green Bay. Um, I do like Green Bay to win this one. Green Bay. Packers.
2: I think this is going to be a really close game, but I'm going to take the Packers. Okay.
1: Is that what your system says?
2: My system says the Packers. It's close, but it's definitely the Packers.
1: And then uh, this is a a very intriguing game for me because, uh, again, no Nick Foles in Philadelphia. So you're going to have Mark Sanchez at the helm. Carolina goes on the road to Philadelphia. Philadelphia is a seven-point home favorite. I'm taking Carolina. Carolina.
2: I'm taking the Eagles. I'm going Carolina. I believe in Cam Newton for some reason. I don't know why. No, I'm just kidding.
1: (laughs) (laughs) All right, so there's our picks. I also uh, want to
2: say real quick uh, that I saw somebody made, some celebrity was uh, some rapper from New York was making a, a big statement. They made a big statement to TMZ that they could fix their quarterback problem by taking Johnny Manziel from Cleveland since they're not playing him. Ooh, what about that?
0: I don't know. I'm a believer that the Jets are just such a black hole for quarterbacks. I mean, look, Mark Sanchez isn't that bad in Philly. No, you got to fix. hasn't been. You got to fix the other problems. I and liked it, Mark Sanchez. Yeah, I, I I don't have a problem with Mark Sanchez as a player. I think he's got the he had some success in New York.
1: I think the the problem in New York is that the it's cold. It's cold, <laughs> yes. But I don't think the leadership team. I don't think the head coach. The general manager and the owner are on the same page, and uh, you know I'm not sure that the general manager has given or or the owner, for that regard, has given Rex Ryan exactly what he needs to be successful. And I'm just uh, I feel like there's just there's going to be changes there, um, and I actually feel like it might not be Rex Ryan. I think the changes might be that the general manager's gone. Okay. Well, you got our picks in the books. Kelly Patrick's going to
0: make a huge comeback this week by going out on a limb a few times there. Be sure to stay tuned. We'll be back with more of the weekend sports buzz. Hot
4: Hot bands.